Hi, I'm Adam Burton, the pastor at Central Baptist Church. Thank you for checking out this sermon. I pray that it encourages you and helps you to grow closer to Jesus. While as grateful as I am for you, please don't allow this message to keep you from connecting with a local church. If you're in our area, we would love for you to check us out at Central Baptist Church. God bless. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn this morning with me to First Corinthians chapter 11. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And also in your bulletin, if you turn to that back page, we've got some notes for you, just a, a ways to help you to follow along. And if you... Uh, Use the, the, the Bible app. You can also see we've got the, the little QR code. You just take your phone with the camera up and you just hold it there and it'll pop up the app for you. I did it to this morning. And uh, you can also take notes and save them in there if you are uh, digitally inclined like, like that. Well, how many of you like a good meal? We've already heard that of hot dogs and uh, McGriddles... But if you could have the, the perfect meal, well, what would it be? Maybe steak and potatoes, or turkey and stuffing, or, or pizza. And uh, my kids weren't here this morning, but uh, if they were them, they would say hot dogs. You know, some of our, our favorite times as, as family and friends center around, around a meal. Whether it is a family gathering at a holiday or a family reunion or, or a Super Bowl party with, with friends or maybe it's a, a nice dinner out with someone special. But meals aren't always pleasant or all gravy as they might say. Maybe somebody tells a joke and offends another person or the food just didn't turn out to perfection as the way that you tried so hard to get it. You know, we, growing up, uh, we had the talk going to somebody's house on, on how we were to manner ourselves, right? It's like no matter how, if you like the food or not, you still need to try it. You know, not to tell them, ooh, I don't like this, this is gross. No, you said you're supposed to say, well, thank you for fixing this, but... But sadly, it's not my favorite. In fact, I don't ever recall saying those words. But as a parent now, uh, I find that we still have to have this same talk with our kids. And I'm sure we can all kind of list uh, a number of dinners that just didn't end the way that we, we hoped. Because sometimes something that is intended to bring us closer together ends up moving us further apart. You know, our families have problems. Our society has problems. Our nation has problems. Can I get an amen on that one? And our churches have problems. Now, while our problems seem bad, and many times they are, problems have plagued all of humanity throughout history. And this is true of the church in Corinth. In his letter to uh, the, the church, the Apostle Paul addresses several severe issues that are uh, in their midst. Things like sexual immorality and, and uh, filing lawsuits against other church members or marital issues, idolatry, and 
even disorder in the church. As we looked last weekend, this week, the two ordinances or the commands that God, Jesus has given to the church, the baptism and the Lord's Supper, are they're symbols that are designed to unite the church around Jesus' death and his resurrection. Now, baptism does not save us, but it is a requirement in order to be a member of the church. In part because it unifies us together. Everyone in the body has been baptized in the same way. We are buried in the water Buried with Christ and raised to walk in a newness of life. Today, we're going to look at the Lord's Supper and how we need to make sure that it also unites us and not divides the church. We're going to see that the Lord's Supper celebrates God's goodness, symbolizing Jesus' death and resurrection. The Lord's Supper celebrates God's goodness, symbolizing Jesus' death and resurrection. So read with me here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For, in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. There we go. For there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry. Another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink. In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined 
so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So, then my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give directions when I come. May God bless the reading of his holy word. The Lord's Supper celebrates God's goodness, symbolizing Jesus' death and his resurrection. We're going to see that in three different ways this morning. Firstly, we're going to see that its selfishness divides the church. Selfishness divides the church. You know, there's many things that I've missed during the COVID pandemic. But right at the top of the list are our potluck meals. You know, the food's always good, but the fellowship is even better. You know, in the early church, the Lord's Supper was, was typically observed around a meal. But what was intended to unite the church ended up causing division. Look at what Paul says. He says that when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Pretty harsh words given by Paul. You see, the church gathered together for a full course meal before taking the Lord's Supper. And the problem isn't that they were eating together, but it was how they were eating together. Now, it's common at, at our meals to, for us to kind of allow our, our senior adults and, and parents with young children to, to go through the line first. And that's not because they're any better than anybody else. But it's because waiting in line is difficult for them. It is an act of love and sacrifice to allow those with needs to go before yourself. But the problem with the Corinthian church is, is that the wealthy members of the church were first going through the line, leaving nothing for the poor members who went home hungry. Look how Paul chastises these church members. He says, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? See, he's saying that if this is going to be how you're going to act, then just stay at home because you are dishonoring the church and the Lord's Supper. But the amount of money is not really what Paul is, is addressing here. No, it's a symptom of a much deeper problem. He's addressing spiritual maturity among the believers. Now, we usually associate spiritual maturity by, by you know, like, like how long somebody's been a, a Christian or maybe how well they know their, their Bible or how involved they are in, in the church. And yes, spiritually mature believers should know their, know their Bibles. Right? And they should be devoted church members. But you know, some of the most arrogant people that I've ever met know their Bibles forwards and backwards. Some of the most divisive people in the church have been around forever. Forever. 
Maybe it's because they've run everyone off who didn't agree with them. You see, a mature believer will not only know the Word of God, but they will live it out. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, man, thank goodness I am not rich. You know, I've got a lot of problems with being rich. is not one of them. <laughs> well, in some ways, we are a little more subliminal in, in our divisiveness and in humiliation. You might think, well, I just, you know, I don't like the church's focus on, and you can fill in the blank, you know. Now, obviously, you can't really come out and say that outright. Maybe you just make little comments in, in certain groups, showing your displeasure, hoping that word finally gets out and things will go the way that you want. Or maybe you take it up a notch. <laughs> And you withhold your tie thinking, you know, I'm going to hurt them in the pocketbook. Oh, they won't be able to do what they want to do if they don't have my tithe and money. Or if that doesn't work, maybe you end up escalating to where you threaten to leave the church if you don't get your way. When I was preparing this message, (laughs) I had some more detailed illustrations here. But I ended up erasing them all. Not because I was afraid of offending somebody. No, but because I was afraid of leaving somebody out. Because we're all susceptible to divisiveness. Whether you're young or old, rich or poor, a pastor or a new Christian. No, selfishness is a sin from the very pits of hell that we must fight with every ounce of our being. Adam and Eve selfishly rebelled against God. Why? Because they wanted to be like God and wanted Him to submit to their ways. Oh, the sin of selfishness goes against the very core of the gospel. And we must fight it. But how do we fight selfishness? Well, the Lord's Supper reminds us of selfless love. The Lord's Supper reminds us of selfless love. See, the remedy to division in the church is is not to get rid of all of the selfish people. No, if that were the case, there'd be nobody left. (laughs) No, rather it's the gospel. It's the only thing that can cure our selfishness. For it's Jesus, God in the flesh, perfect in every single way, who lived the sinless life that you couldn't live. And he took on your sin, your selfishness. And he died the death that you deserve. But he defeated that selfishness and he left that sin in the grave when he rose from the dead. You see, unity doesn't come from looking within ourselves, but looking to the cross. And that's what the Lord's Supper is. It is a visual representation. It's a picture of of what Jesus accomplished on the cross on your behalf. 
the Apostle Paul then moves on to retell the Lord's Supper. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he, he broke it. And said, this is my body, which is for you. And so do so in remembrance of me. He comes over and he he picks up the cup. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in Remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper celebrates God's goodness, symbolizing Jesus' death and resurrection. You see, division in the church makes a mockery of the gospel. But the Lord's Supper is a reminder of Jesus' selfless love. But lastly, we see that repentance is necessary to take the Lord's Supper. Repentance is necessary to to take the Lord's Supper because just eating bread and drinking wine or grape juice doesn't resolve any division in the church. Now look at what Paul says here in verse 27. He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup in the Lord in an unworthy manner, they will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. You see, observing the Lord's Supper is very serious. You know, regardless of how often or when it is taken, it should always involve self-examination. Am I worthy to take the bread and the cup? Now, look, I mean, I get in one sense, none of us are, are worthy, right? Because we're all sinners, But for those of us that are saved by the blood of the Lamb, we can approach the throne of grace with full acceptance. You see, repentance is turning away from your sin and following Jesus. It's something that that happens when you're saved, at the point of conversion. But because we're not completely sinless until Jesus returns and he takes us home into glory, we must continually repent of our sins. So what is it that you need to repent of today? What is it that you need to to repent of? To seek the the Lord's forgiveness and maybe you need to seek the forgiveness of 
others. How are you selfish? How are, are you divisive? How are you unloving and uncaring? And honestly, if you think that none of those apply to you, then how are you arrogant and proud? See, Paul says here in verse 26, he says, For all, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, ironically, there is division in the church, between churches and denominations, on how often you should take the Lord's Supper. Some churches believe that you should take it every service. Some say you should take it monthly or quarterly. But in reality, there's no command in Scripture as to how often we're to, to take it. But knowing my own sinfulness and need for self-examination, I think we should probably take it more often than not. Because, because I, I know that I need a, a visual reminder of, of Jesus' body and His blood. Because when I picture Jesus' body being broken and His blood being poured out, I, I see my sin on His shoulders. For He died so that I didn't have to. But he also died so that as he told the, the woman caught in adultery, so that we may go and sin no more. For we need to regularly repent of our sin. You know, throughout church history, some churches have included a, a public confession of sin and an assurance of pardon. And, and look, as to not appear to be Catholic, many Protestant churches had abandoned this practice. And I, I understand the, the reasoning. I fully embrace the, the priesthood of the believer, meaning that you don't need to confess your sins to a, a priest or a pastor in order to be saved. No, what's most important is that you confess those sins to God. And I also believe that I nor any other clergy can provide any assurance of pardon. No, it's only, only God that provides that pardon. In fact, quoting some Bible verses or saying certain words doesn't do anything if, if you don't believe them. Because only Jesus can change our hearts. This morning as we prepare to, to take the Lord's Supper, I, I want us to, to, to have a, a scriptural responsive reading. Confessing our sins to God. So let's read these words. They'll appear upon the screen when it's time for us to say them together. Lord, we confess that there is no one righteous, no, not one. No one understands. 
No one seeks for God. We all have turned aside. Together we have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So to you, O Lord, do we lift up our souls. O Lord God, in you do we trust. Make us to know your ways, O Lord. Teach us your paths. Lead us in your truth and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation. For you we do wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. Remember not our sins and transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember us. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. In fact, all the paths of the Lord are His steadfast love and His faithfulness. For, for those who keep His covenant and His testimonies. And therefore, we now can count everything. Everything is lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. For we do not have a, a righteousness of our own, that comes from the law. Rather, our righteousness is that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So now we may truly know Him and the power of His resurrection. For this is the promise of God. And this is the word of the Lord. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. As Judy begins to, to play here as we move into this time of, uh, of taking the Lord's Supper, I want us to just to have a moment of, of self-reflection, self-examination. What is it that you need to confess to the Lord this morning? What sin is it that, that you need to repent of? You know, taking the Lord's Supper is a very serious thing. In fact, look, the, you know, the Paul tells the, the church that if you take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, that you will be judged. But when we appeal to Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and trust in His love and His mercy. We become righteous or worthy. Not because of anything that we've done. But all because of what He did. Thank you for listening to this message. To listen to other messages and to learn more about Central Baptist Church, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com.